0: Bitch, you need to hear this. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Bitch, You Need to Hear This with your bitchiest host in all of the land, KDP P., back this week with another fun episode with another lovely lady and another story for us that I think is really poignant, you guys. And I think it's going to touch a lot of people. I have a lot of listeners that are new moms and are getting married and becoming moms for the first time or even the second time. And I know a lot of people really connected with Rachel's episode, and she talked a lot about her experience with um, really significant postpartum depression. And I think it's just a topic that is is really um, relevant right now, uh, especially because we're talking a lot about in the on the interwebs mental health. So I have an old friend from high school today on the podcast who reached out to me who connected with Bitch Need to Hear This and has been a loyal listener. And I'm so excited to have her. I have Sam on the podcast. Hi, Sam. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm and so excited. You're going to just, we're going to lay it out there. And I know it's a little nerve wracking. So, yeah. you know, like I said, it's just going to be a fun little chit
1: chat. Oh, it will.
0: About some heavy shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So like I said, I know Sam from high school and I got to tell you, like my, like my most I don't know. Like, my main memory of you from high school, because we were, like, acquaintances. Like, you were a couple of years younger than me, I think, right? You, what year did you graduate? I was a year younger. I you're was year? 2012. Okay, yeah. You're a year younger than me. But yeah. I remember we had—did you listen to Riley's episode? With like, the friendship— yes. Okay. You were in our same class, that child development class. Again, this is, like, the fourth episode. I'm shouting out Mrs. Donnelly. Sup? Yes, Ms. Donnelly. Apparently that class was really impactful on my life. It's hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was, I ended up t- getting a child development degree. So hey, I listen. guess it really, really stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> but you were in that class too. And I remember so vividly us having to do that stupid like robot baby project. It was awful. And it's so, I mean, it's so relevant for what we're talking about today, but I remember like you were unwell and I remember (laughs) you from what I remember of you, you were just like very loud and outgoing anyway. So you just were very like, this is what it is. Like, holy shit, that was fucked up basically. (laughs) But I remember you sharing too with our teacher because we were talking about, you know, infancy and all that in the class. I remember you saying that you remembered your mom telling you how colicky you were as a baby. And I don't know why that stuck with me, but (laughs) (laughs) and now you are a mom to two under two, right? How old are your kids?
1: I have a daughter who will be two in July and I have a son who is eight months old. Good Lord. So,
0: um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, it's funny that we're going to like talk about your kind of your journey in motherhood and you know, what you've gone through, but I remember that so, so vividly. Are your
1: kids as colicky as you were, or are they like sweet little? Age? No, no. Thank God they took my <laughs> husband's personality. I was like, Jesus Lord, please let them get my husband's personality. <laughs> and
0: like, thank God I was God an they asshole. Did. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So, wow. So, wh- how long have you been married? Um, it'll be four years in August. Okay. So you were married for a couple years. You got pregnant with your, is your, your daughter? My is, daughter. Yeah. Okay. So you got pregnant with her and then how
1: old was she when you found out you were pregnant again? Oh, she was six months old when I found out I was pregnant with my son.
0: How was that? What, what was that like?
1: <laughs> um, I think I literally was like in la la land. Honestly, <laughs> I think I was like excited because I knew that I wanted kids that were close in age, but I didn't ever think that they were gonna be that close in age. Oh girl.
0: So my brother and I are 14, 13 months apart.
1: Yeah. My so Gemma and Waylon are 14 months apart. Yeah. So we're yeah, me and Corey, my
0: older brother are 13. He was born in May of 92. I was born in June of 93. He was four months old when my mom found out she was pregnant again. Oh my God. And she tells the story all the time. She was like, we literally had sex one
1: time <laughs> I literally I honestly if you asked me I could probably tell you exactly when it freaking happened. Yeah, so can
0: my mom cuz like yeah. they literally did it like one time. And <laughs> she
1: talks about it all the time and she's like
0: literally she was still nursing. So there's that myth that when you're nursing cuz you technically aren't supposed to have a period, yeah. some women some have issues with supply and they end up having a period, whatever. Like mm-hmm. our bodies all do wacko shit when we're yeah. postpartum, but and we're gonna talk about that today. Um, but anyway, like she was like I was nursing and I just felt like ass, and I was and Corey was like four months old, and I thought that I should feel better by now, like or a little better, but I was feeling yeah. worse. So she went to the doctor and she's like, I just feel like shit, and the doctor's like, <laughs>
1: uh, What? My mine literally was it wasn't even anything like that. I have a younger sister. She lives in Taylor, and we went down there to go visit her for the day and my mom was driving it's a freaking hour drive from my house so we're driving and it's everything's fine and then all of a sudden i'm like i am literally going to pee my pants i am going to pee my pants and for 45 minutes i'm like mom if you don't pull over this flipping car right now i'm going to pee myself <laughs> and so we get there everything was fine and we came home and i was like the only time that i've ever had like, the urgency to be like that, like, is when I was pregnant with Gemma, and I was, I took a test that day, and I was like, you motherfucker, (laughs) you motherfucker, you stay away from me, bitch, (laughs) and that's exactly it, I was like, well, (laughs) what are we gonna do now? (laughs) Yeah, two under
0: two is, it's something else, I, it's funny, like, I asked my mom, I don't know, this like a few years ago, but I asked her and I remember this so vividly. She, I'm like, what was I like as a newborn? And she was like, Katie, I don't fucking remember. Because at the time, <laughs> my older brother was 12, 13 months old. They had like this psycho dog and they lived like that was just so much high energy. It was like a lab. And um, they lived in Canada. And so, like, and all my all of our family was in the states, and so my mom was like by herself with two under two and this crazy dog, and my dad was oh. traveling for work all the time, like he was not home very much, and like that was the '90s, and I don't think I well I know that postpartum depression was not talked about like no. it is now, and it's still not even talked about that much, yeah. I, I've heard, I heard my, my, you know, I, we have like, I have a family history of mental health issues. It's no wonder I'm a fucking mess. But <laughs> um, on my dad's side, like my grandma had really severe postpartum depression and like no one called it that. They were like, oh, she's just, you she can't get out of bed. Yeah. She's sad. Yeah. Like, well, that's weird, you know? And you, so then like, you know people that are like struggle, but we don't talk about it. We just keep it on the DL. And then you hear about these crazy fucking stories. Like, I think we learned about this in our child development class, I feel like. Or it was, like, a different class. But do you remember that lady that, like, had severe postpartum psychosis and drowned yes. her kids in the bathtub? I'm yeah. thinking on her name right now. But you know what I'm talking about? A yeah, I know exactly. About who, that. The,
1: she had, like, what? Three kids or something? She had, like, five, four or five. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. And were some of them were older and some of them were, like,
0: little, like, infants. But she she, the, the, she the, was hearing voices and... um. She drowned all of her kids in the tub. And so then you heard about crazy fucking shit like that. And like postpartum psychosis is a real thing, but it's very rare and very severe. And I think it, but like when we hear horror stories like that, it almost, I feel, created this stigma of being able to openly be like, I'm a little bit less than excited about um, being a mom right now, or like whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, absolutely. And I have so many stories, like, because I now I know so many women having kids, and there's like such a spectrum. And I think what you see on social media for the most part is people being like, it was love at first sight. I've never been happier in my whole life. All the sleepless nights and hardness is worth it, which, that, of course, you fucking love your kids. Of course, it's worth it. Of course, being a parent is like one of the best things ever. Right? like, mm-hmm. not saying it isn't. But I think there's a side to it where none of us feel like that twenty four seven. Well, I'm not a parent. but no, no parents feel like that twenty four seven, and, you know, that's okay. Yep. So I want to hear your story of like, becoming a mom. And what, what were you expecting? Like when you got pregnant with Gemma, you're a first time mom, like what was in your mind about how that, that first year of motherhood was going to be like for you?
1: Um, well, I was expecting something, I wouldn't say totally different, but I was definitely expecting different. I knew when I got pregnant with Gemma that I was already diagnosed with major depressive disorder. I was already on meds okay. for anxiety. I already knew what hadn't even happened yet. I knew it was going to happen. So you were
0: anticipating, like, I have a significant history of depression. Yes. I know I'm going to struggle.
1: Yes. Okay. So I came into it and I had this mindset of, I'm going to fuck this shit up. I'm going to totally turn things around and none of that's going to happen. I'm going to be the best mom. I'm going to be able You're to like, handle I'm prepared everything. prepared for this. Yes. I was yeah. like, no one has fucking shit on me. No, well, that's, that's why that's exactly what Rachel said in her episode. She's like, I was made to be a mom.
0: Yes. And like, I think a lot of women, me and myself included are like, fuck yeah, I'm going to fucking kill this mom thing. Like, I don't, you, I got, yeah, your bitch just got nothing on me.
1: <laughs> exactly. So everything was like hunky dory mm-hmm. up until probably, I don't know, maybe a month, three weeks before I had Gemma. And that's when things started like going downhill. and. It started with, it's almost like my brain clicked and I was like, I hate my husband. I hate him. Him breathing next to me, I literally am going to slap you across the face just for existing near me right now, which everyone who knows me and everyone that knows my husband knows that like, I need you. Come here, touch me, you know, be with me. That's not me. Yeah. Yeah. That's not your that's not like normal for you at all. Totally not normal for me. So like when I was like, don't touch me, don't breathe next to me, don't even talk to me. I was like, okay, we just need to get through the last three weeks. Fast forward, I had a lot of complications with Gemma. Gemma was breach. I had to go in. I had to have her like flipped um manually, which that in itself was just like stressful. And then come to the birth, and I still hate Mason. Don't, I don't want anything to do with them. He's like in the room with me and I'm like, don't, it's fine. I'm going to do this by myself. The contractions are, I can handle it. And, um, yeah. and then, um, they couldn't find Gemma's heart rate anymore. Mm-hmm. And so Gemma started going downhill and my blood pressure, I think before they took me to emergency C-section, I was like 90 over 50. Like I was literally like er, dead. So I think that's when it all started was just the process of not having my birth go as planned. It just it it just set me up for disaster.
0: Sounds like it was a traumatic birth when when it gets to that point, like it definitely feels that that's how it feels to me when you talk about it, that it was like a traumatic event.
1: Yeah, it was. So it's more than
0: just, I'm just saying, it's more than just, oh, it didn't go as planned. It's like, well, you almost died.
1: <laughs> so. Well, I'm still here. So. <laughs> Let's honor that. Like, no,
0: that was more than just a plan going <laughs> what the fuck.
1: But I think what really caught me was, you know, having a C-section, they don't just like pack your bags for you. And they're like, hey, see you later. Go home. You sit there for two or three days in just one room. And especially in the middle of a pandemic, you I don't get to walk the halls. I don't get to do anything. Mm. So I'm literally stuck in this freaking cubicle with this guy that I'm still like, I literally want to punch you in the nose. Like, this is you're the reason I'm here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so when I started realizing that like something really, really wasn't right was I'm holding Gemma in the hospital bed and that's literally all I care about. I don't give two shits about the guy that this is his first kid too. This is his baby. This is, you know, we were supposed to do this together. We should be happy. We should, you know. But me, I was like, this is all I care about. This is all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I literally don't give a shit about you right now.
0: And… It's almost like you, you were still, like, you were in fight or flight. Yes, almost. And you're like, I'm going to fucking fight you if you try to take my kid from me.
1: Exactly. But I'm like, I should (laughs) be. You come near me.
0: Like, I'm going to (laughs) fucking kill you. Exactly. (laughs) But
1: I should be like so happy that
0: you're here with me. So like just for the listeners and you, but when, when we go through a trauma, right? And some people that have PTSD, we call it the trauma brain. But like you start operating all from your hind brain. And the hind brain is all of your like animalistic instinctual fight or flight, like just acting on pure, like. Adrenaline. Barbaric adrenaline kind of. Yeah. And so when like, when we see, for example, children that have been through a traumatic event and they're constantly operating under their hindbrain, you'll see them have these like massive tantrums where they're like destroying property or hitting people or whatever. And there's no reasoning. It sounds like you were totally in your hindbrain when you, cause you were in a, you were had, just went through something very traumatic. And so that's a natural protective instinct. So when what we try to do in therapy, like with people that have PTSD or what we want the brain to do is once the traumatic event is over, the danger is no longer there. Like when you're holding your baby and everything's okay, the na- the, what we expect the brain to do is to go back into the frontal lobe where like all your executive functioning and your logical reasoning is. And logically you are like, I know what this is supposed to feel like. Yeah. it's supposed to be like, but I can't get my brain to make the switch. When you have pre-existing depression, anxiety, whatever, that also can activate those that type of fight or flight. Like I like, in you know, yeah, yeah, no,
1: absolutely.
0: Feeling of anger, fear, whatever, and it's to protect us, but it's negative. And society teaches us like, we need to move out of that like as quickly as possible. And
1: I think a lot of it does stem from like. No one really asked me, like, how did birth go? Even though a lot of my immediate family did know, you know, I originally went in to just get her flipped around and then I was going to be sent home. Mm. Nobody, nobody gave a shit that they ended up keeping me in induced labor and the whole thing. So I feel like that did play a part when people didn't really hear me. I, I, I know that I spoke about it. I know that I voiced it. But I think it was when people didn't really pay attention to like how it really like mentally fucked me up that like if I would have waited a few more minutes and I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going for a C-section. What the fuck? Like what could have happened?
0: And you know that's so important and critical for women to have a safe space to like process their birth story. Even if you had a really uncomplicated birth, I don't care. Like everyone has a birth story and it's unique and it's different. And like say- monumental life-changing event for the, for the woman. And like some women, you know, they go weeks and weeks, not weeks and weeks, two weeks past their due date or whatever, when they like finally induce you. And like they, some women have the space, like in the time to prepare, but then you have situations like that where you didn't at all. And it's so important that regardless of what, like whatever side of the spectrum you fall on, whether you literally like your kid shot out of you, like it was oiled up with WD-40 or whatever, like, <laughs> I mean, like, whatever. I don't care if your birth was easy. It was hard. It was traumatic. It wasn't. Like, every woman deserves a space to process her birth story pretty soon after the fact. So absolutely. that you, like, so that you, it, I believe it helps bonding, the the bonding process with baby.
1: Yeah. No, it absolutely does. I I think I was fine when we got home. I think it was, Okay, fine. You know, people want to come over, they want to visit. And I think that preoccupied my brain for a while. So I felt like I was fine. You know, Mason was fine, whatever. And then I don't know, I think it was pretty spot on two to three weeks after I was home, things started spiraling like out of control. I was having these not just like meltdowns, but I was having like straight rage which again i come from a family i i shout out to daddy um i have his anchor. Um
0: <laughs> don't you love when you like start to like take on your parents <laughs> negative traits? you're like oh Wah. my
1: god no <laughs> i have a lot of my dads too and i'm like nah, this shit. is an on this is an ongoing thing like everybody <laughs> in my family knows that i am charlie 2.0 um <laughs> Yeah. My mom, my mom calls me Gus 2.0. <laughs> I get it, it was, it was like straight. It was not just like I was mad. It wasn't, I was just frustrated. I was beyond myself to the point where I literally felt like I could not contain my emotions anymore. Like I literally said some of the most disgusting things to Mason. And obviously everybody, if you haven't, paid attention. Mason is my husband. Yeah, I don't think I, I, don't think I said I you that. gathered that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I said some of the, like, most disgusting things to him. Like, just things that it felt right at the time. How did he respond? Oh, he responded so well. Mason is the most calm, cool, collected person I have ever met in my entire life. Like, I came into his life and I was like, let's fuck some shit up. Um, <laughs> He's like, holy shit.
0: Don't <laughs> you? I love when I see like yin and yang couples. This is, reminds me of, yes. did you listen to Shannon's episode about her yes. husband? Yeah, it reminds me of him. She's like, he fucking carried me through this whole experience. <laughs> and I just want to celebrate like good husbands, you know, because they're not there. Yes. Unfortunately, there's not There's not a lot of them. So. Well, they're hard. I will they're honestly say
1: they're, they're hard to come by. And yeah. freaking by God, I, I found one. How? I don't yeah. know. but Because um, you're a great girl. It deserves it, duh. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> um, but he responded so well where he was like, I don't, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And I was like, you're doing everything wrong. Everything is wrong. You are wrong. And you're breathing uh, wrong. Yes. But seriously. yes. <laughs> and you know, two to three weeks after having Gemma, he, after this like weeks of arguing, he finally reached a point where he was like, you know, fuck this. Like, I don't deserve this. And he, you know, lashed back at me. He's like, this is uncalled for. I don't know what I did. This is, you know, Mm -hmm. this can't happen. And I was like, holy shit. Like something's, you know, something's still like not right. Like I know what I'm doing isn't it was like a right. it was like a reality check for you, or
0: like a yes, moment of
1: like, yes. Ooh, maybe I am being
0: not very nice.
1: Yes, maybe I'm not being very nice, but why the fuck am I not being nice? Yeah, like what is why? really frustrating me? Yeah, like where's this anger coming from? I'm you exactly. Know,
0: it's really good to be in you guys. Really, I said this on an earlier episode. It's really good to be an observer. I said this on the Sister Project episode, <laughs> um, but it's really good to be an observer of your feelings like and experience your feelings but then also like taking the the extra step of being like for example like yeah i'm noticing that i'm really angry <laughs> what what is happening there what's going on
1: i've seen therapists throughout my entire life honestly can't remember a time that i didn't see a therapist so i was like okay well maybe i need to find a therapist and i was like i can't find a therapist it's in the middle of a fucking pandemic Nobody's gonna, you know, majority of my life up until adulthood, I saw the same therapist. Sue, she's no longer in practice. God. I love that lady. Okay, so when you find a therapist,
0: shit? you like hold on to them and never let them oh, go. Oh I've God, been seeing my therapist. Shout out to Jen for <laughs> ten years, and like if she ever stopped practicing, I don't know what the fuck I would do. Yeah,
1: like when I tried to find when I tried to come back in to therapy when I had Gemma, I, I tried to find Sue. I knew where she practiced before, and I couldn't find her anywhere. <laughs> and That's I was the like, worst. I was like done. Nope, not doing it. Yeah. Um, So with Gemma, I honestly, I was able to, I kind of, like you said, I dialed into my emotions and I was like, okay, you need to figure your shit out or your marriage is going to like disintegrate. And I was like, okay. So that's what I did. I just really focused on like voicing to Mason when like things were not good, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And life was fine. Life was fine for six months.
0: So you just kind of were like, okay, I need to not be an asshole and I'm just going to like keep it in check. But were you still having like the feelings? Like were you still frustrated?
1: I was, but I was having at this, it, and this is the weirdest thing for me is like, I went through waves of what emotions I was having based on the people that were around me, the things that were happening around me. Yeah, you're reacting to your environment. It's normal. Yeah, so I talked to Mason. Everything's fine. Then, you know, the holidays come around and you have your first kid and, you know, everybody has an opinion as to Baby's first Christmas, how you're going to spend it and where
0: you're going to be and who's going to spend first Christmas with that grandbaby and blah, blah, blah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But it had nothing to do with like, you know, where we were spending Christmas, what we were doing, you know, it had nothing to do with that. It was all based around like, I had a lot of not just family members, but like people who knew me, they were like, you know, oh, you know, if you do this, the baby's gonna, you know, react this way, or they're gonna react badly. Or, you know, if you say that all the unsolicited advice, exactly. And I was like, oh my God, like, what if my kid, like, based on what they're saying, what if Gemma does grow up and she does hate me? What if Gemma does grow up and she is afraid of me? Like, what kind of person am I? What kind of mom am I? When you guys are saying these things to me, when even, I i mean, that just spiraled me in itself. It, Gemma, Gemma was like my, she was my PPA. She was so my very PPA anxiety, for sure. Like a lot of anxiety. I was so, I was worried. so worried about, everybody else around me. I was so worried about what people were going to think. Gemma had like the tiniest little sniffle and I was like, oh my God, she's dying. Like it was just very hard for me. I was like, I'm not made for this. I'm not made for this. I can't do it. Um, do you have pets? I do. I have two dogs. Okay. Then
0: so, again- I t- so I talk. So my my good friend, Gabby, who's been on the podcast too. Yeah. She and I talk about this all the time because like Gabby and I like, well, everyone I know has anxiety, but Gabby like gets like when her dogs get sick, she gets like major anxiety and she goes, I, I literally she cry. Goes, she goes, I love them so much. She goes, I don't know how, what I'm going to do when I have a baby if I worry this bad over my dog. <laughs> I I will tell you,
1: unfortunately, (laughs) hopefully you, you get past it, but I will tell you this. It is no different. It's no different. But Gemma was like my, she was my PPA. She was, she, you know, obviously my first, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing in life. Long story short, Mason and I come to terms. I come to terms with myself and I'm like, okay, she's going to get sick. She's, you know, going to get hurt. Things are going to happen and I'm just going to have to figure it out.
0: That's hard though. That's, that's a great, some, um, it's a great thing to tell yourself, but it's another thing to cope through that.
1: I don't think it helped any of my issues that I had both kids in the middle of a pandemic. Oh when, God, I mean, you you know, heard my pandemic story. So yeah, fuck that. Yes. Yes. So fuck it's that. just, it's, it's so fucking like there was times where I was like, oh, your eyes are watering. You cannot come to my house. Do not breathe on me. Don't even look at me. So fast forward, I find out I'm pregnant with Waylon, and and Gemma, I'm, you said was six months old. Yep, she was six months old.
0: So, how were you feeling mood wise when, like, around that time? Like, was, was things feeling more stable, or were you still pretty anxious?
1: I think I was still I was still pretty anxious, but I had a good um, understanding of what my triggers were and. How I was going to cope with those things when, when and if they happen,
0: and you and you didn't, you ended up not getting a therapist. Were you like, mm-hmm. did, and were you on your medication still? No. So at this point, because you, I mean, te- like technically, you're not supposed to when you're nursing. Exactly. I mean, and some people what, do though. I, you guys, you can still safely take anxiety and slash depression medication. You just got to work closely with your doctor because there are some that aren't safe for pregnancy and nursing.
1: So when I found out I was pregnant with Waylon um like I said I had a pretty good understanding of at that point in time how the how my brain was working Mm -hmm. um Mason and I were in a good place everything was fine so things were stable and then boom yeah 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 (laughs) so boom yeah boom I have to pee and now I'm pregnant (laughs) uh, Um, so when I find out I'm pregnant with Waylon I'm like okay like this will be good. This is a second chance. Like I can, now I can really show the world that I really have this under fucking control. Yeah. You're like, I and- got
0: this, this round, bitch. <laughs> Let's
1: go. I yes. learned.
0: I, mer- I learned from out mistakes.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not on any medications. What could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. <two>? Nothing could possibly <laughs> exactly go wrong here. <laughs> so I'm not on any medications at this point. I'm like, okay, I I would like to do this the way that I have planned. Again, and um expectations I mean, are set up for failure exa- you guys well, if you yes. haven't figured that out if you haven't listened to the first half of this you'll understand now <laughs> pretty much um so now almost immediately after I I find out I'm pregnant with waylon shit goes starts going south again um, during the
0: pregnancy yes your mood yes. and anxiety and depression okay
1: but this time it was pretty much throughout the entire pregnancy I had just like these waves of up and down and up and down and up and down. And everyone's like, oh, you're dealing with a newborn. You know, you have a baby at home and you're pregnant. I'm like, okay, but that's, that has, that yeah. has nothing to fucking do with, with what I'm saying right now. Like, yeah, it's
0: hard and it should be hard. And I'm, I get, I, I appreciate that. But also like, whoa, I'm, I need help. Like I'm, some things. It takes a lot of guts. To say as a new mom that I'm not okay because there's all this pressure. And that's kind of what we've been talking about. There's all this pressure on you to, like, be perfect and to, like, Mm -hmm. be okay because otherwise your kids are going to be fucked up for life. And so, like, if you're expressing that, it's so important. So people just were not blowing you off, but they were like, yeah, 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 I know, you're fine, you'll be fine. (laughs) <laughs> right well and i feel like when you
1: repeat it so many times it's like a, it yeah becomes,
0: people start to kind of like not tune it out but they're like it's,
1: yeah i know. it's normal it's normal yeah. Yeah. um so now throughout my entire pregnancy with waylon you know things are are all over the place and i'm trying to figure things out and i can't and i'm lashing out at mason i'm lashing out at my family and i'm lashing out at my sisters i mean everybody that was honestly there for me i was like fuck you fuck you and fuck (laughs) you. And they were like, all right, see you later. Yeah. Um, So then probably this is when, and this is just a, um, like a warning. If any of my family is listening, if be prepared for what I'm about to tell you, because there's a lot of people that don't know these things, including my mother, my dad, and my youngest sister. So about six months or six weeks before I had Waylon, I hit a point where I was like, I physically, mentally, emotionally cannot do this for another second. I cannot do it. When you say do this for another second, what do you mean? It was, I can almost tell you exactly the day. Mason and I were arguing about me lashing out about something. Honestly, I was the one who pushed it, whatever. I got to a point where I was going to kill myself. That was it for me. That was the last step. I did you have like a plan? Yes, I went downstairs. I looked at Mason. I didn't really say anything to Mason. I looked at Gemma. I held Gemma, and I told, "I'm sorry." It's
0: okay. Um, Feel the feelings, girl. Cried out. Stay twice. <laughs> I know.
1: I haven't really talked about it much, so it's, like, hard.
0: Yeah, I um, know. This is, like... And this is heavy, you guys. I'm sure there's people crying right with you. Please feel it out. Like, Yeah. Sh- like, there, it's okay to have real emotions. I'm totally yeah, here absolutely. for it.
1: So I, you know, didn't really say anything to Mason. I held Gemma, and I just told Gemma, I was like, I love you. Mama will always love you. Um, And that was really it. I couldn't really say anything more. And I just... I just came upstairs and I kind of acted, um, I almost acted as if I was just coming up here to talk, like just to calm down. I didn't really say much, didn't really try to act like anything. And at this point I had been thinking about, you know, if things were to progress, what would I do? So I went to my bathroom. My bathroom is an ensuite bathroom. So I have two doors, both of my doors lock. So I shut both of my doors. I locked both of my doors and I knew that in one of my um, drawers in my bathroom was my basket of all of my pills.
0: Were you pregnant at this point or were you... Was, yes. Okay, you're pregnant. Okay. I was... How far along were
1: you? Um, I was about eight months pregnant.
0: Okay.
1: I was eight months pregnant with, with Waylon. And I got to a point where I literally sat on the floor and I was going through every pill bottle. And I would pick up a pill bottle. I would count how many pills were in it and I would look it up online. How many of these would it take to kill me? I did that too. And I would, yeah. And I would take up another one and I would take, you know, do the same I'm thing. I'm like, why
0: do I have no pills that are lethal in here? What the fuck?
1: Like, if you would imagine if you'd had something. No,
0: absolutely. You know?
1: And I honestly, if you ask me right now in this point in time, if I had if I, I, the only person I've ever told this is to is my now therapist, Gloria. Shout out to Gloria. I, you are I love the name, crazy old Gloria. Lady.
0: She's oh great. my
1: God. She thinks I'm a nutcase. But um, <laughs> I bet she does not. <laughs> but you don't know um, what these people see on a daily basis. <laughs> but um, I told Gloria, she's the only one that knows, is I honestly do believe that if I had the necessary equipment, to do what I had to do. You would have done it. Back then, I would have done it.
0: So when we're as therapists, you assess for suicide um, risk with three things. You assess, and I think I said this in my podcast episode, but you assess by um, intent. So like, are you like intending? So like, yeah, you're positive for intent. You assess for plan. So you had a plan and you assess for, and you were following through with the plan, but you also assess for means. So you like, and that's where you and I, what we have in common is that, we had the intent and the plan, but like we didn't actually have the means to do it. Like I didn't have, even when I tried to hang myself, like I didn't even really like in my house, there wasn't even like a great spot to hang myself. And I remember being like so irritated about that. I was like, this shouldn't be that fucking hard to do. Like, why is this so hard to do? And like you guys, I understand that if you've never been impacted by suicide, it's, or you've never like been suicidal yourself. Like, I I apologize if you feel like I'm talking really flippantly about it, but like when you're really going through that in the moment, it is really like that black or white. There is not a, there's, there's not really a moment when you're in that where you're like, holy fuck. And I mean, you were eight months pregnant. Like you and like people listening to this are probably like, holy shit. Like picturing this eight months pregnant lady, like
1: I was a going to that point, girl. <laughs> you know, I and
0: mean, you're tiny. Yeah. And like, my point is, is that all that you're thinking of is that this is the only thing that's going to make my pain go away. Like there's nothing like you and you have already done all the mental gymnastics of like, if I live the rest of my life, it's just going to be awful. So like I need like, and the people that love me, like they'll be fine. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you mm-hmm. talk yourself into it. You do. And then so when you're at the point where you're like following through with your plan, there's really no thought conscious for me anyway. There was really no like no. there was nothing in my voices in my head being like, what are you doing? Stop. No. Yeah, it was Don't it do was do a it. very
1: like it was it's a just very like, calm.
0: You're very calm in that moment, actually. Yep. Like you're not like it's not this like big like I mean, I'm sure some people do have that. But for me, it was like I wasn't crying. I wasn't um, like I. I didn't. I wasn't having like the big feeling. It was like, yeah, I figured out what I'm gonna do, and like I'm just gonna do it. So I think it. it
1: was. I think for me it was different in the sense of like I. W- I definitely was um, emotional. Yeah, I mean you were. Um, all, yeah, like that's normal. One, also, yeah, like, one, more. I was a honestly president. me not having emotions
0: was a little bit concerning at that point. But, but, but at the same time.
1: I did text, I remember texting my mom as I was sitting in the bathroom and I was like, I can't, like I I can't do this anymore. And that's all I said. Yeah. That's all I said to her. And um, like I said before, my mom has literally the heart of gold. She has been through so much shit with me. Yeah. Um, but it was that was that was it. That was that was going to be that was my game plan. That was the end game for me. Um, and then shortly after that, Mason, I think caught on to, hmm, she's being really quiet. She's not moving around up there. She's not doing anything. What the fuck's happening? So he came upstairs and he, uh, literally like barged in our bathroom door and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? I can't believe you're doing this. You have a daughter downstairs. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I, I, and even while he's like spewing all of these things at me of like, you have a daughter, you have a baby on the way, you have all of these amazing things. I was like, I don't give a shit. Don't care. They're, I don't, don't care. care.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a bizarre feeling to describe to someone. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's almost impossible. If you've never, I'm like, I'm telling you guys, if you've never been like actively suicidal, I can't articulate what that is like to like not and give a sounds- fuck.
1: No, and it sounds so crazy, you know. You do, especially like you know, you do sit here and 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 I say, you know, I do have a daughter at the time, and I am eight months pregnant at the time. I I something just didn't click. I didn't care. I just wanted to be gone.
0: It's so chemical. It's like there's a yes. chem, there's something going on in my brain. Like I'm not like you're not all there really. Yeah, like you're yeah. really not. Like you're gone. Like I think. what by the time you, if you're like following through with a suicide and like. You're you're not, like, you kind of, like, you died a little bit inside when you get to that Mm -hmm. point. Like, you're already kind of gone, and you're just, like, going through the motions on autopilot. That's how I felt. You do.
1: No, and that's exactly where, at this point in my pregnancy, that's where I was, where Mason came in, and he cleaned everything up, and everything was fine. And I was like, okay, I just need to make it six more weeks. And that was all I could think about, is I just need to make it six more weeks, six more weeks, six more weeks. and going to the hospital, Mason and I didn't talk, didn't do anything. Like we were we were together. So he took you to the hospital after this? Or this no, was, or no, no. I'm th- saying this is when we were having Waylon. I'm sorry. Okay.
0: So like so but let us close that out. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. did he take like did you seek medical attention after that suicide attempt? I did. That's when I met Gloria. Okay. So you got into therapy.
1: Yep. So that's when I met Miss Gloria Gloria. Um <laughs> and Mason walked in and I told Mason, I was like, I need to go somewhere. Like, this is not okay. I can't be here anymore. I need to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. But then Mason told me, he's like, okay, you know, where do you want me to take you? And so my laundry room leads to the garage, which the garage is where I go outside. And I was in the garage and I was like, Hold the fucking phone! I have a kid here, and God knows you're not gonna be able to take care of her by yourself. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and you're like,
0: wait, no, we're not going anywhere. So exactly. you didn't. So you, you ended up not going to the hospital.
1: I ended up not going
0: to the hospital, but that's looking I back. Up, how do you? What do you think about that? What are your feelings about that that you didn't go?
1: Um, honestly, I will tell you. For me personally, I think it was for the best um, because I do think that. At the time, Gemma was that piece of happiness that I could hold on to. Um, it was and healing she, to be with yeah, her, it, yeah. w- and, and that's all I wanted was to as just long, be I with mean, her.
0: As long as you were safe, right? Like I think when you yeah, go to the no, hospital, think- when you do an inpatient program, you guys like really the main goal is to is to uh, maintain safety and stability. So like and it's also to get your meds right. So like you were pregnant. So there was not a lot they could do for you medication-wise. And as long as you're like as long as you weren't left alone.
1: Yeah, and at the time I really like I said I was at the end of my pregnancy though so there was, you know, speculation was I going to go early? Was I, you know, I was high risk with Waylon because I had a C-section with Gemma. So there was a high risk of my incision Ripping open, there's a bunch of stuff that happens when you have C sections really close together.
0: Yeah, my mom, my mom did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're she just scheduled my C section. She was like, "I'm not doing. Yeah. I'm not. She's like, I'm not going V back. Fuck that shit. Let's well, just well, get her that's out. what
1: they. That's what they told me. They don't even give you the option nowadays. They um, don't. Well, sometimes you do no. After two years. Oh, so, okay. if, I had, so if, if I had, if I had Gemma, if it's less and than a two
0: year, you cannot go V back. Yeah, interesting.
1: I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. So anyways, I, I was on close watch anyways, by the way, you guys V back, I don't know what it stands for, (laughs) but it's,
0: it's a vaginal birth after a, uh, cesarean birth. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: So I was on, I was on high watch anyways, I was being seen once a week by the doc, by my, um, not by the doctors, but by the midwives. And I was like, I just mentally, I was like, I just need to get through the next six weeks and I'll be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Fast forward, uh, I have Waylon, and Waylon is the complete opposite of Gemma. He comes out crying. He cries for like he cries for like two hours while I was in recovery. You're like, oh my god, he's gonna and be like exactly, me. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> "Fuck my life!" Literally, this is uh, this can't be happening. Um, and he ends up being fine. He is literally the chunkiest little happy boy I've ever no. met. So, but. My postpartum and anxiety with him did not happen until I had him October first of last year. Didn't happen until about the end of December, early January. And of twenty-two. Of yeah, of twenty-two. And what happened with him, and this is going to to mean when I talk about it, it sounds so silly now, but so I went back to work. I had three months of maternity leave. And what do you do? I'm a medical assistant and medical biller for a podiatrist. So I work with feet all day long. Wow. <laughs> I um might want to chat with you after this.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> whack ass feet, you guys. So that's that's not what we're talking about now. So anyway, um, okay, so you work with feet. Love that for you. So do you, and you work in the office? Yeah. I work in the
1: office. So I, my boss is really great. I had three months of, um, maternity leave came back right after Christmas and my boss comes in and he's acting really fucking weird. And I'm like, that motherfucker is sick. He's sick. I've been with you for seven years. I know when something's off and he comes in and he's like, Oh, I have COVID. I was like, Fuck you. I literally, is my first day back and you're going to come in and you're going to rub all this shit all over me. And so
0: I- In comes the anxiety.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So almost, it was literally a snap of the fingers. I went into a total panic. Mm -hmm. And this panic, um, this panic lasted probably until early March. Is when I finally figure shit out. So at this point, so when you say
0: like panic symptoms, like tell us what does that look like for you?
1: Panic as in I physically could not eat, sleep, drink normally. I couldn't go anywhere. I was shaking. My body, when I tell you guys that my body hurt from being so tense all the time, I literally felt like I couldn't move. Every muscle in my body was so tense hundred percent of my day. I ended up getting um and
0: so imagine you guys like having as people that are out there that that listen to this, I'm sure, that yeah. suffer so from a panic disorder. So you know like symptoms yeah, of so- panic are typically physical, but like you were going through this for months at a time while you're working and a mom for 202. Yes. So that's a lot.
1: I ended up like just staying at my house. That's mm-hmm. all I did. And um, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't talk to anybody. That was it. That was my life. I mean,
0: you were just surviving moment yes, to moment. And, and,
1: and that's literally it. I got as extreme as I bought in a pulse ox. I brought home a blood pressure cuff from my job. I was checking my pulse ox like every hour. I was checking my, I mean.
0: Because when you're panicked, when you have panic symptoms, you legit feel like you're dying. Like people go to the, when people have their first panic attack, I hear, you hear so many stories of this. Like they go to the ER and they're like, I'm dying. And they're like, you're having a panic attack, ma'am. You know, but it feels
1: like you're dying. It does. It does. And that's exactly how I felt. And I got so far as to physically, my body started to react to it. Um, I wasn't just having like, you know, you have postpartum hair loss, like the whole bit. I was losing chunks of hair at a time. I was, I had um, chronic dry mouth, which is when you panic, your all of your salivary cell. Sal, salivary glands. Yeah. All of your glands in your mouth close. They, they close up. Mm-hmm. And so my mouth was just constantly dry. My tongue was like white as can be. And then, oh gosh. I mean, it was so bad to the point where I finally, there was one day I went to my parents' house and I looked at my mom and I said, I, I cannot do this anymore. Like my body physically, I cannot, I'm so tired. And that was that time. I will say that I didn't attempt um, suicide. But I definitely, I was highly contemplating that that was, that was literally all I had left.
0: I remember, like, because I had, I, similarly to you, like, I had a suicidal episode, like, like six months uh, six months apart. Like, one, the first one was in May of 2020. And then I had another bout in October of 2020. And, like, I remember kind of keeping, like, once I wasn't actively suicidal anymore, I remember, like, keeping it in the back of my head, though.
1: Because I yeah. was,
0: like well, you know, I'm going to try. It could the treatment. happen. I'm going to try treatment. I'm going to try to get through this. But if I can't, that's all. Now always, I, have like, something. I, I will go back to that. And I also like, I don't know if you experienced this, but I was also like not afraid to die
1: anymore. But see, I was the opposite. I was the opposite. Really? Which, which Interesting. Which fucked me up. Which fucked Come me all, up. Because of the panic. That like, and yeah. you're having
0: all these like physical panic reactions. So like your body, so like, no, I, I actually, it's not confusing. It's because your body instinctually is trying to protect you. So you're mm-hmm. like, you're like doing these instinctual things, like stay alive. <laughs> and like, yeah. and it's, it's giving you yeah. these, these chemical feelings of like, you need to like protect yourself. But like the part in your brain that's like, no, like, we could just end it all, and like exactly. all the symptoms could just go away. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you're at odds. Your body and your brain are at odds.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were totally opposite. And I yeah. remember trying to talk, and I think this was kind of a a hard point for me is when I came to Mason and I was like, "This is how I'm feeling." It was frustrating to me that I was like trying to explain to him that like, I'm not okay. And he was like, well, why aren't you okay?
0: And I think on his end, like, I imagine how, what a helpless feeling that must be.
1: Like you might not know. And
0: you know, that's what this, that's what this podcast is for is to talk about it. And you know, I, I do just want to like, validate and recognize that I know you're going to have loved ones that listen to this. And so I, th- my episode was really hard for, and some of my, like some oh, family sure. members like won't listen to it. Like my mom won't listen to it. My brothers won't listen to it because it's just like way too much. So for your loved ones that are listening to it, like to this, I think like it is important to like validate that as a loved one watching someone go through something like this, it is the most helpless feeling because no matter what you say and no matter what you do, not that like you you were finding something wrong with it. It just wasn't taking the pain away. Yeah. And and it just is frustrating because you can see people trying to help you and it's not working and so then they're frustrated and then you're frustrated that they're frustrated. And it it's just it's hard. So like validating that it's hard all around.
1: No, absolutely. Um so when Mason finally sat there and he's like, "Well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have I don't an know. answer. I don't fucking like, know. like. You're supposed to have the answers for me. I'm coming to you. Like, what don't the hell? Help me. I know. <laughs> and I know. So I, know. I think that was finally when I came back. So in that period of time, there's a there was a chunk of time where me and Gloria, my therapist, took like I took a hiatus where I was like, I feel like I'm cool right now. I mean, even try though you were having
0: all these panic and suicidal.
1: No, this thoughts? is like so. No. So in between, in between my first, when I first met her. So at like the beginning of Waylon's pregnancy. So like,
0: yeah. So like when you were like eight, when you were pregnant and having like all the stuff, you started with a therapist, then Waylon was born.
1: And then Waylon was born. And I felt like things were like, okay. And I felt like I had things under control. And I told Gloria, I was like, I feel like things are okay right now. And I asked her, I said, can I just try it out? For a few weeks and see how things go. And she was like, Absolutely, we'll schedule an appointment for like a few weeks and we'll talk.
0: And in those few weeks, there was a it, there was a breakdown.
1: In all in those few weeks is when everything happened. And I was like, Holy shit, I get back on the phone with Gloria. Isn't that like, amazing Gloria, how that like, fucking
0: happens? I swear to God. It's damn. insane. I so like when I was like, you guys, when I was super suicidal, I was going to therapy twice a week. And then Dude. like I went down and then I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm gonna go down yep. to once a week. And like, and then I did that. And then I went, like, now I go twice a month. But every time I decrease my therapy, some fucked up shit happens. Yep. And I'm like, God damn it. Yep. It's like, it every never, single. It never time. fails. I'm like, oh, I'm good. And then I like, like, it's the same thing when I got off my meds. I was like, I'm so yes. good. I can get off my meds. And then like, <laughs> I'll talk about this in a different
1: episode, but, like, shit hit the fan. And I was like, why me? <laughs> like,
0: Dude, why is straight it like up.
1: Straight <laughs> up. And that's, like, that's exactly where I was, where I finally, yeah. I texted Gloria, and I was like, Gloria. I'm in, I'm in crisis. S-O-S. Yeah, I'm in crisis. S-O-S. Yeah. And she was like, no, absolutely. Cool, we'll get you back on your meds. We'll do this, we'll do that. Yeah. And um, it took me, um, like I said, it March... March was the first time I had felt halfway, not even just normal. Like, I i wouldn't even say normal. I would say halfway mentally sane since after having Gemma. After getting back on meds? Yeah.
0: That was the first time you got back on meds since yes. having Gemma?
1: Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it was the most, I f- literally felt like I was fucking in heaven. What did you say? Um, Lexapro, and I'm still on Lexapro, oh, Lexapro
0: queen, welcome to the club, chef's kiss. Yeah. Uh, Lexapro saved my life. Um, I ended up having horrible side effects from it. So I'm not on it anymore. Damn but, it. but it's so funny because like every all my friends <laughs> that have mental health issues like about Lexapro. Oh. And so like, I literally have a group text that's like Lexapro Queens. And like, we just like, like normalized Lexapro there. But like any antidepressant, anti-anxiety med, like, you know, there's side effects. But it's funny Absolutely. because when I first took it, so my doctor said, that basically, because I, I had no side effects when I, the first year or so I took it. yeah. And uh, my doctor was like, yeah, that usually means when you have no side effects at all, that you were like that serotonin deficient. Yep. That like and that's you need it said. so badly. And I was like, wow.
1: Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's w- literally almost the same thing where, mm-hmm. you know, my Gloria, like, or no, my primary doctor called me because she was like in cahoots with Gloria. Yeah, you know, they, like, they, they were like they were cut yeah, yeah, yeah. But consulting. And um so my primary doctor called me and she was like, you know, how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm feeling great, you know, everything's good. There's no side effects I'm not having this, I'm not having that. And she was like, "Really?" And I was like, "No." Why? Yeah. And and Gloria said the same thing where she was like, "You really were just really must have been deficient of a of that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I was like, crazy.
0: Wow. I had no <laughs> side effects. The only side effect I had almost immediately was, um, fucking crazy ass dreams. Do you have like, <laughs> like we call them? me and my I friends, did? me and my friends call them Lexapro dreams. And like, you just wake up from a Lexapro dream and you're like, what the, what the fuck? fuck was that? Yes. It's like super vivid. It's intense. Sometimes really realistic sometimes yep. just so insane but you like remember every detail and you're just yep. the vivid no, the vividness I mean, of them is insane so Mason but I, I have it. I have vivid dreams so like that wasn't weird for me but yeah. it did increase when I took Lexapro um
1: see I went from having literally like I've never dreamed ever oh my god least, that must like, have not that really I weird remember. for you so it was like totally fucked for me I wake <laughs> up and I'm like Mason you'll never guess what Dude, just happened I got
0: a dream I got a journal I, like they were they were getting so intense and then some of them would really fuck with me and they yeah. were really like related to lie trauma. So like one time I wrote this down this dream down because it like really fucked me up. But what I learned is that if I wrote them down, they would I, I they would go away. Like I wouldn't have the dream yeah. anymore and I wouldn't feel as icky because when you have a really vivid dream like that you it stays with you sometimes. Oh it
1: absolutely throughout does. the day. Yeah.
0: Anyway Lexapro miracle drug um can't say enough good things it did end up causing me some like really bad i had a really rare side effect with um ssris i had i got swelling oh okay facial swelling hand swelling and like insane swelling in my feet like i had like it looked Weird. like i had like elephantitis it was crazy so i had i i like basically developed an allergy so i had to get off of them mm. um <laughs> yeah like that year and a half i was on them Mwah, chef's kiss i also Seriously. when i was really sick i was taking lexapro and a very high dose of trazodone okay and that trazodone is like technically a blood pressure everything is technically a blood pressure medication everything and then you know like- that
1: did you know that um oh god what is it uh what's the what's the to get a uh, an erection what's the medication oh, uh, viagra Viagra. That Did was you a know blood pressure a... medication. Yes.
0: And then they're like, this cool side effect. Yeah. We could make money from this. Powder. Dude, yeah. So like <laughs> lots of medications are like that. Like I take uh, acne medication right now, spirulactone, total yeah. blood pressure med. So anyway, <laughs> um, trazodone though at very high doses also can be used as an antidepressant and a sleep aid. So at when I was at the hospital they gave me trazodone for sleep and the first night they gave me like a low dose and the first night like it didn't it didn't impact me at all like I did not sleep. And so oh. then like they gave me like a super high like I went from like 70 milligrams, to like 150 oh, and God. I that was the only thing that I that would get me to sleep for when I was really sick. And so like I'm going down this rabbit hole of medication you guys because I think a lot of people are weary of medication because there are a lot of side effects from them. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that that's true. But when you get to a point that Sam and I were at in mental health, that's pretty much the only thing that's going to save you.
1: Take it if you need it. Try I can't, it. At least
0: try it. I mean, I'm not your doctor. I'm not a medical professional, but don't, don't rule it out
1: when you're- Especially based on stigmas, honestly. Yeah.
0: I mean and like people talk, like you see posts. It's like if you take pressure, you take blood pressure meds, like take your fucking yep. anti anxiety med. It's the same fucking yep. thing. Literally. Yep. It's probably an ant- it's probably a blood pressure it med. It actually <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, yeah you know, like it is so, so important to It is destigmatize and normalize taking medication for anxiety and for depression. And like for, so Lexapro is an interesting drug because um, technically it takes six weeks for it to fully, to see the full effects of it. And I remember my therapist and I were like, oh shit, because I was like actively suicidal and they put me on it. And I'm like, yeah. well, I don't, I'm still like not doing well. And that's another mm-hmm. reason I was on the Trazodone addition, but it did. It took a few weeks to like, feel better but once it clicked
1: i was oh, like oh god it clicks it clicked i remember man. like
0: coming like like going alive yes <laughs> it was like i remember going woo! to my like, I, I started like going. going out again i mean i was thinking, yes. you know, i was single but and not had no kids but i was i mean i was just like holy shit where have but i been even, where as, did I go? even
1: like for me it was even like going to the grocery store or yes. doing things as simple as that i was like oh my god like i can actually Go out. You can mentally and, like,
0: manage it. You couldn't even like
1: manage yes. it. Yes. yes, yeah. And it was, I oh oh, it's a it's a miracle. It, it's you a know, miracle it's, drug. It's
0: a miracle, and that's why there. That's why doctors, even though you're technically not supposed to be on it when you're pregnant and nursing, doctors will still allow women that are have severe yep. suppression, as we do, to stay on that ship because. Yep. Like, okay, so the alternative for you was that you didn't take meds and you were eight months pregnant and tried to end your life. And
1: look where I ended up. So
0: like, that's not it. I think for the takeaway for women today that aren't don't have kids yet that may have a history of mental health struggles, like really have a plan and like discuss this with your your support team, whether you have a partner or it's your parents or your best friend. I don't give a fuck. Anticipate that you, your mood and your depression and your anxiety is like having a baby is like the most triggering most triggering and thing at ever. the end of
1: the day, the one thing that I could probably say is, yes you have kids, yes, you have family, yes you have a significant other whatever it may be in your life, the biggest thing is you have got to take care of yourself
0: yeah because if
1: you do not take care of yourself you're going to set yourself up for failure. You're going to end up in the same routine of things. Being honest with yourself.
0: Yeah. Like, I think there were times that I just, like, wasn't honest with myself of, like, no, like, this is really, really bad. And I was like, I don't know. I, I mean the people in the, your loved ones in your life aren't going to be able to walk the walk for you and like they are so they're there to hold space for you but like it like we said earlier I mean it is such a helpless feeling for your loved ones to watch you someone go through that level of depression and um I can't stress enough that if you are suicidal to uh, you are at that point seeking hospitalization is a very compassionate thing that you can do for yourself to stabilize even for a couple days. I was only in my hospital for a couple days. And that's okay. Like, was I embarrassed that I was in an inpatient unit? V- yes. It, it felt very embarrassing. I remember when I went to my outpatient partial hospitalization, I remember the therapist. Trying to get me to participate, and I'm like, I just can't believe I'm here as a client, as a patient. Like this is fucked. Like I am the mental health person. <laughs> like I should be in your chair, not the other way around. It's it's medical care. Like be take care and uh, take care of yes. yourself. I think that's the only reason I'm still alive is because I ultimately surrendered to the to medical care. Preach, preach, lady. <laughs> and you know, I think. For people that are moms right now, I hope that you feel not so alone. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. I think (laughs) I hope that partners that are listening to this feel like they have a better and family members that have watched their loved ones go through this. I hope that you have a different perspective and understanding of what it's like to be in the shoes of a woman that is, has it all going for her and still doesn't want to be alive um, yep. as it's really, it's really, really hard to understand what that, what that's like. And Absolutely. I want to keep having these conversations. Where do you think you are today? Well, like, where do you, I mean, how your kids are still really little. So this, and this is all recent, like this all yeah. just happened. So like, where, yeah. where do you, what do you think is next for you in your healing process?
1: Well, my, Current healing process is i've really become i don't want to say selfish but i would say selfish in a sense as to there are certain things that i know i have to do for myself to make sure that i'm okay for my kids um which includes aka i i see gloria i talk to gloria every shout you know, out every to week. gloria <laughs> god love gloria god that woman's amazing but I also have the biggest thing that has been for me is I set myself a goal. Exercise is a really big thing for me. Um, Ooh, mentally, yes. mentally, physically. So I will be running a marathon come oh the fall. Oh my gosh. That's what an accomplishment. So, Fuck yeah. 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 Fuck so yeah. slowly but surely that has been um So you have your U you time during your training. Yep, and that's kind of what's been keeping me at bay for sure. And then once I get to exercise and I get to do my stuff, then my kids have a fresh upbeat mom that's ready to accomplish, you know, the day. So, yes. We are working on us every day. Don't get me wrong, every day's a fucking struggle, but I feel so much better than I did you know, a year ago, two years ago. And I wouldn't trade it for literally wouldn't trade it for the fucking world.
0: You are the best mom for your two babies. And I say that, like, do you follow taking care of babies on yes. Instagram? She says this. So you guys like, uh her name's Kara. I can't think of her last name right now, but her Instagram handle is taking care of babies. And she's a, she's like a sleep expert and she's like a, a nurse was a nurse, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. She always says to parents that do her class, like you are the best parent for your baby because, and you are, and you, and I want every mama listening to this to know that no matter what you're going through, and even if you can't do it one more second, you are still the best mama for your baby. And I'm so proud of you that you are prioritizing yourself so that you can show up as whole and healthy as possible. And it's not, you're not going to get it perfect every day, but you're, out here trying and that is such an amazing example to set for our little ones that are figuring out the way of the world and how they're going to be and what seeing such a resilient mom i hope that when gemma is grown up and having kids herself you are going to be like such an amazing grandma and support God for her bless my soul <laughs> um but i i I think kids are more are very resilient and very intuitive and I think they can feel when their caregivers are doing doing their best. And, and and I and you are. And so I'm glad you're still here with us and I'm really excited to keep following your journey and seeing where you end up. It's a Thank life. You. It's a journey, ma'am. It is. Oh, you guys, this was heavy. But, like, ultimately, I don't know. I feel good.
1: How do you feel after sharing your story with I the feel interweb? good. I feel good. I honestly haven't told very many people that. So I feel good. I hope that it helps. I don't care if it helps one person. I really hope it does. Yes. Fuck
0: yes. That's what I said about mine. And then I got yeah. like... Mm a bunch of people. (laughs) I was like, oh, God, we all are suicidal. Shit.
1: We are all (laughs) fucked
0: up. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) Jesus. Christ. Okay. Um, no, I, I, you guys, I make light out of things that are like very dark. So I oh, haven't figured same. that out by now. Um. Yeah, no, I'm really, really inspired and empowered by your vulnerability today. And I think that the listeners will be as well. What a great episode, you guys. Remember, you're not alone. I really want to share all your guys' stories Um of resilience and Sam's a great example of just being part of this community and being a really resilient woman herself and that this can be you do you feel like this was healing for you
1: this was like absolutely and I have a lot of I have a lot
0: of uh guests afterward they're like I feel like I just had a therapy session or I feel like super empowered or I feel like I I actually through telling this story processed it in a way I didn't expect and um, I love that. So I am a, th- you know, I am a therapist by trade. So I do kind of bring that out in conversations I <laughs> organically. Um, but I'd love to have you on to share your story. So if you are inspired by this episode or any of the other episodes and you would like to share your story, please email me at B you need to hear this at gmail.com and share with me a little bit about you and what you're hoping to inspire the listeners with and the, bitch need to hear this community with and I'd be so excited to share your story till next week my ladies it's been amazing sharing this Sunday space with you talking about healing and hope and I hope I hope that you walk away from this feeling hopeful um and probably really emotional and raw but I hope that I hope that you feel hopeful because I do um yeah And I will see you all next week for another inspiring story from another lovely woman who will be joining us. All right, my friends, see you next week. This has been another episode of Bitch, You Need to Hear This.